This season of Beyond the Drink is brought to you by our friends at One Hope Wine. One Hope is a Napa Valley winery built on hope and rooted in purpose. Every bottle of their award-winning wine supports a meaningful cause. One Hope has donated over $8 million to causes around the world. To learn more about One Hope Wine, the winery, and to join their wine club, go to onehopewine.com. Follow them on Instagram at One Hope and on Facebook at One Hope Wine. One Hope, we thank you. Hey everyone, I'm Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. In this season, we sit down with head winemaker of One Hope Wine, Mari Wells Coyle, as she guides us through some unexpected wine pairings. We're not talking about red wine with steak and white wine with fish. She'll be sharing the right glass or bottle to go with some everyday snacks you might have right at home in your own pantry. We'll be asking our guests from this season of Beyond the Plate what their favorite snacks are, and then we'll put Mari to the test. We're gonna have some fun with this series, so sit back, relax, grab your favorite snack, and please don't forget the wine opener. Hi, Mari. Hey, Cappy. How are you? I'm good. I have to be honest. I haven't stopped thinking about the pairing a couple weeks ago that you did with Kristen Kish's ice cream sandwich. I'm calling it an ice cream sandwich, but it was uh, strawberry ice cream on a sweet brioche bun. And that strawberry ice cream and Pinot Noir pairing, I've been craving ice cream a lot lately because of it. (laughs) (laughs) Ice cream and Pinot, two of the best things, right? I like it. You shared with us about your ice cream challenge that you're going to be making a different ice cream every week. Have you started? How's that going? Yeah. So I'm actually starting officially on the first day of summer. That's my start date. But I have been getting a lot of inspo just because apricots are coming soon and cherries are still out. So I'm, you know, trying to figure out like what my staples are going to be, like which ones are my go-tos. My kids love Cherry Garcia, so I think that's going to have to be one of the first imitation flavors. And then probably roll into some like exotic, like really try hibiscus and some other really cool flavors that are not so traditional. I love it. And I know this isn't like an ice cream podcast, but I have to tell you, I just got back from New York and one of my all-time like top three ice cream flavors is from a place that's in the West Village, Bleecker Street. It's called Cones. And it's basically like gelato. I think they say it's Brazilian style ice cream or something like that. But it's very similar to gelato, texturally speaking. And the flavor that I always get is sweet corn. Wow. Yeah, it's sweet corn ice cream and it's incredible. And they dust it with a little bit of cinnamon. And some people like if people love food, they're usually like, yum, I want to try that. And if people aren't so into food, they're like, what? Corn ice cream? Disgusting. I'm like, please trust me, just go. And like 100% of the people that I send there love this ice cream. So next trip to New York, please get a scoop of the corn ice cream from Cone's. Definitely on my hit list with the sprinkle of cinnamon. Yes. That sounds amazing. There's some good flavors. They were doing a Jack, was it Jack Daniels? It was Jack Daniels, infu- or no, Johnny Walker infused quince ice cream. Oh, wow. And they charged a dollar just to sample it. It was, re- it, oh, yeah, it okay. was pretty funny. It was good. Worth it. Yeah, Worth a sample. Totally. Anyway, back to the task at hand. Last week's Beyond the Plate, we talked with Chef Brooke Williamson, who you may know about. She's based in the LA area. She's awesome. So this was fun timing because Brooke has this concept in Playa del Rey called Playa Provisions, but I think it's like three or four concepts in one more or less. And one of them is an ice cream place 
called Small Batch. And so we were talking a bunch about ice cream and some of the different flavors they have and whatnot, which was really fun. But Brooke also is a top chef winner. She won Food Network Tournament of Champions. She's awesome. She's super nice, talented, and she also happens to be a really powerful voice for hunger, the issue of hunger in America. Her and I both serve on the leadership council for Share Our Strength. So she's lobbied on the hill in dc and she just does some really awesome stuff in that philanthropy space we had a good snack talk with brooke when we asked her about her go-to snack she gave us a couple but why don't we listen here's what she had to say name a go-to snack in your pantry right now i'm kind of obsessed with this pineapple this super sweet honey pineapple (laughs) what is it and water like fresh fruit but also these like have you ever had these? They're called Snacklin. They're like puffed. They're supposed to be like vegan pork rinds. When I was doing this with Manit and I asked that question, she did the same exact thing that you just did. She reached like, forward and grabbed snack. the bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of obsessed with these things. The, this is the teriyaki flavor, but they're made out of yucca and mushroom. Yum. And they're like, they taste like pork rinds. Like the te- texturally, they have the sort of essence of pork rinds. Those look good. Delicious. But they're vegan. Yeah. Delicious. They're called snack I'm going to check those out. As seen on Shark Tank. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Wait, yeah. what was the pineapple? Was it like dried pineapple you were talking about? No, hold okay. on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, my head don't reach that far. No, these pineapples. Oh, like ac- Okay. It's a honey glow from Del Monte. Are those the pink ones? Honey glow. No, it's not okay. the pink one, but it's just as sweet and like low acid as the pink ones. The pink ones are dull. This is Del Monte. But it's just, it's literally a whole pineapple, but I'm eating them like, I'm eating like one a day. Oh my gosh, I have to look for those, which I definitely don't have them in Chicago. Okay, so that was a fun one. Maybe a little different, maybe not. But I have to tell you, the snacklins that she mentioned are delicious. I actually went on Amazon right when we stopped recording and I bought every flavor of those. And it was really funny because she showed me the bag of snacklins. She pulled it out from like under her computer, similar to how Manit Chohan did with her Indian Spice Trail mix that we also talked about. But those Honey Glow pineapples sound delicious. It's an interesting snack. How do you feel about pairing with pineapple? Yes, that's such a cool, unique pairing. I had to look both of those things up, which, you know, did a little stack research because I haven't had the Honey Glow or the snacklins, but they're both on my radar now. Thank you. And that honey glow pineapple is one that's really fun because I think the coolest thing about that is that there's a lot of dishes that have pineapple. When we start thinking about it, everybody in a group, somebody orders a Hawaiian pizza. I'm not mad about it. When they order that Hawaiian pizza, I didn't order it, but I'll eat a piece. And we thought we think about like other fun things to do with pineapple, a lot of skewers, of course, Chinese dishes. There's a lot of really range in what we can do with pineapple and even just snacking on it. And if it's on your desk and it's, they're pretty small, right? These little honey glow pineapples. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I, when she first mentioned it, I was like, Oh, like a pineapple snack is like a dehydrated, you know, pineapple chips or something. And she's like, No, it's like a whole pineapple. I eat like one a day. And she grabbed it from her kitchen counter, which was pretty funny. And I'm laughing 
that you mentioned the pineapple on pizza. I'm cool with it. My wife and I love it, but I feel like it's like one side of the coin or the other. Like there's rarely an in-between. Like someone's like, absolutely not, or you're all in. But if you are all in, I feel like everyone doesn't like get behind it as much as they should. Yeah, I agree. It's always, you know, I just attended a pizza party and there's like 20 pepperoni pizzas, a couple combos and one Hawaiian. And that was like size medium and all the other were large. <laughs> and like, if you, we, we have a bunch of people over like, we're going to order pizzas. And we're like, anyone want Hawaiian? Like we're like hesitant. And you know, then three, four or five people are like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in. I'm like, oh, okay, great. I've yeah. been accepted. No, <laughs> It's a good flavor. It's good. I mean, everyone really does like pineapple. I've never met somebody who said they didn't like the flavor of pineapple, but it is a little ambitious to have a fruit on a lot of these dishes. And, you know, some of them are accepted in a lot of places. Like, you know, we we're talking about some of those foods. So I love it. Pineapple upside down cake is something that our estate manager actually makes a lot. And it's delicious. And you can do that like when you're camping, put it in a Dutch oven. So there's just so many ways to love pineapple. But when I was thinking about like, well, what wine would I want with my pineapple snacks since we're pairing our wines and snacks? I went to Pinot Grigio. Pinot Grigio for us from California is really, really rich in flavor, but it's also got a high acidity. Turns out these little pineapples don't have a lot of acid. So bringing in the acidity, it's also very dry. It's one of our driest wines that are in our collection from California. So I think paired with the pineapple would be really refreshing, quenching, and a lot of the stone fruit flavors and floral aromas, citrus zest would be perfect pairing for that sweet, rich pineapple flavor. I love it. Now, would that change a little bit if we did put like have pineapple with a dish? And by the way, hold on, sorry. I always do this to you. I feel like I want I have like four questions at once. But <laughs> you mentioned how your Pinot Grigio is very dry, which I love. In the wine world, the opposite of dry, would that be a sweeter wine? Like are you dry wines yeah, usually not exactly. so sweet? Okay. Right. A dry wine is typically without sugar. So it fermented to dryness is actually how the term came to be, which is you know, it's a difficult word to communicate because it sounds like it's drying, like, oh, that's a lot of tannins or something. But actually, it's dry, meaning it fermented to dryness. It has no sugar left. And so the result is very crisp and it would pair perfectly with something complimentary like sweeter pineapple. I love that. And so we may have to be a little careful if we are, like you said, having pineapple in a sweet and sour chicken, maybe a horrible example, but maybe not. But also I think I would still go with Pinot Grigio and I love wine with Chinese food, which Almost every Chinese restaurant has an underserved wine list. So, you know, perfect. If you've got something at home, you've got your takeout and there's a lot of great wines that you can pair. And then, of course, if you're firing up the grill and you're adding pineapple to your kebabs or your burgers, I know people do chicken burgers with pineapple on them. There's just, you know, chicken meatball, pineapple. There's just a lot that you can do. And I I'd, I'd still think I'd stick to the Pinot Grigio for all those, actually. And even the Hawaiian pizza, I think a glass of Pinot Grigio would be delicious. Are most Pinot Grigios dry? Like, is that a, are there not so dry Pinot Grigios? Yeah, you know, most of them are in the dry range. There are a few from Italy that are a little sweeter, but it is typically a dry white, almost, you know, wherever you're finding it. It depends on where the Pinot Grigio is from with how intense it is. 
Some people order Pinot Grigio because they really don't want a lot of flavor. And there are Pinot Grigios like any wine out there that just is, you know, limited in flavor. But what I like about where we source from California is a lot of areas that really develop a lot of richness. So you get that full stone fruit, peach, apricot, along with citrus zest and all the florals. It's just a great, it's one of my favorite wines. I like that. Is it pretty renowned in the area, like where you are? Is it a typical grape for the valley? It's not super typical in California, actually. It's most common from Italy. They grow the most Pinot Grigio, but you can find it in small quantities around California. And, you know, we tend to go toward the coastal areas where it's cooler and you can really develop flavors for longer. Got it. Snacks aside, pineapple aside, Is there another dish or type of meal you traditionally love to drink this wine with? Ooh, we do call it like the summer Pinot Grigio Porch Pounder. So sometimes (laughs) it's just really great sipping on a hot day on the porch. No food necessary. Porch Pounder. Amazing. It's Yeah, it's good. It's a great one for summer. But I also, you know, a lot of times with desserts, we talked about pineapple upside down cake. Key lime pie is great. Fish and chips. I love with this wine too, because you've got a lot of those salty flavors, a little bit if you like vinegar. And of course, fish is always great with Pinot Grigio. Any lemon flavors are also great with the wine. It really is versatile. That's why I think pineapple makes such a good partner there in pairing. I know we talked about temperature of wines a couple weeks ago, which I loved and took notes on. Did I throw out ice in wine and you're welcome to cringe at me, but I feel like if someone is going to go that route, this may be the wine to do it. Or is that a never cappy? Please don't say that word again. Yeah. You know what? I don't know if you asked me that last time, but I have thoughts about ice and wine and I've loosened a lot of my close-minded thinking over the years and I am not opposed to ice in my wine. In fact, I have definitely added ice to my wine now at this point in an unconventional wine glass, might I add. But, you know, that is really when I'm kind of looking more toward a spritzer experience or, you know, just something refreshing to drink because there, you know, of course you can add white your ice to your wine, but it does change the composition. The alcohol is a really important part of wine. It holds the aromas together. It elevates them, creates more volatility so that you have more expression in the wine. And of course, it plays with the acid, the tannins and everything else that's in the wine that comes into the final blend. So I would say, you know, go ahead and add it. But it's going to be more like a refreshing seltzer or spritzer than an actual glass of wine that's all together, just the way the winemaker intended it to be. I know. It's always such like a risky topic when I bring it up with a winemaker, like as a spritzer, as, you know, in sangria. And same thing, even if I talk to like a spirits maker, someone who makes gin or vodka or, you know, bourbon, whatever it is, I'm always like, are you okay to use your spirit like in a cocktail or would you rather have it sipped, you know, without anything? And I'm always curious, you know, people's point of view on that. But I feel like, I don't know, wine a little less than spirits in terms of mixing, you know? Yeah, I think you can do it for sure. It's more and more common and it's a way that you can enjoy wine throughout the day. 
And for me, it's just a little less serious of an occasion, which is a lot of our occasions. You know, when you're really hot and you want to come home and you want some rosé, but it's not quite cold and you'd like it colder, add some ice. But, you know, at that point, you're just having a refreshing, flavorful beverage. Yeah. Or try, at least like try it without it first. So you get the full picture of what went into, you know, the bottle, which is nice if you're, I I do that if I'm doing a margarita, I'll sip the tequila plain just to, you know, know what that flavor is and what went into it before I butcher it with lime juice and other things. Anyway, Mari, thank you again. This was fun. It's always fun. Thanks to One Hope for helping make this season of Beyond the Drink possible. This went way too quick. Yeah, it has been way too quick. I've had way too much inspiration chatting with you about all these chef snacks and wine pairings. And I've learned so much about chefs through this podcast. So it's been fun experience for me. Yeah, that's awesome. It's been fun hearing what they snack on and and for me, what to pair with it. And I just love getting these little tips from you on, you know, the grapes or how they were grown or when they were picked or what to pair with what. So thank you for that. But we will catch up soon. Good. Thanks, Mari. See you then. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. If you're interested in the wine Mari talked about in this episode, check out the episode notes in your podcast player or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com and we'll link you to it. Find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at OnCappy's Plate or go to beyondtheplatepodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is also on social at BT Plate Podcast. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joe Yetten, and Sean Petrosian. Our digital media producer is Sarah McClellan Mead. Our music has been composed by Goldfork. Find him at iGoldfork. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. If you have a moment, we'd love and appreciate it if you could rate or review and subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Drink, a production of Beyond the Plate. I'm Kathy.